0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Last weekend, the U.S. national debt hit just over 22 trillion dollars. The highest it's ever been. Candidate Donald Trump once promised to eliminate the national debt, which was then around $19 trillion. But the federal budget deficit has ballooned to $310 billion, up by 77% from the same time last year. Part of the blame is that the Tax Cut and Jobs Act lowered the revenue coming in, while the government spending has increased. The Congressional Budget Office projects that the U.S. is on track to have annual deficits and incur national debt at levels not seen since World War II in the 1940s. So what do these numbers really mean for you and I, and do they matter? We're discussing this here in studio with Joam Gomes, who's a finance professor here at the Wharton School, and joining us on the phone, Tara Sinclair, Associate Professor of Economics and International Affairs at George Washington University. She's also co-director of the research program on forecasting. Joam, great to see you again. Great to see you, Dan. Thank Thank you, you. Tara. Great to have you back with us. Great to be back. All right. So the big question is, do they matter? Does a $22.1 trillion deficit matter to you and I? Joam? I was thinking of an analogy, and I was thinking, you know, it's a little bit like
2: like gaining weight, (laughs) like (laughs) eating too much. Um, You know, on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't really matter. Uh, you can eat a little more. You can have an extra helping. You can gain a couple pounds. It doesn't really matter. And if you get convinced it doesn't really matter. But there comes a day. <laughs> there comes a day when there's a reckoning. And and I, I don't know how far away we are from that. I don't think we're that close. But uh, you only need to look at, say, Southern Europe and our friends in, in Greece or Spain to see um, there comes a day. And that day is not pretty. And that's the day where you have to make all the adjustments all at once. You have to go on a very, uh, very uh, draconian diet. And you have to cut on on uh, services that we used to get from the government, and um, that's not a nice a nice story to tell. So, you know, nothing is going to matter next year and the year after. I think we, we have the real question, of course, is we have these programs, we have these entitlement programs in the horizon, we have a demographic time bomb. How affordable are they going to be, given that we're borrowing at the rates that we're borrowing? I right. think that's the real elephant in the room, and how we want to address that issue, but. You know, for the next five years, we'll be fine. Tara,
0: right? Well, um, following on Joao's analogy, I, th- I think the other thing to think about is you know when we're we're thinking about when we want to lose weight, we do it at a time when we have you know a little space to go to the gym and our schedule and. Um, when we can go ahead and um, cut back on, on eating, perhaps we have a few less dinner parties and that sort of thing. And so what I find concerning about this deficit is the timing of it. So if we look at where our economy is today, if there were a time to be cutting back, now would be the time and, and instead we're um, you know, going out and um, spending and cutting taxes.
1: So then do we have that quote-unquote space, terror right now?
0: I would say so. I mean, if we look at where the U.S. economy is today, um, and particularly in the context of you know, where we were the last time, um, we were really running uh, even larger deficits than where we are now. And back then, we were coming out of a recession, so it was yeah. 2008, eight, nine, ten, 10. And at that point, it made sense that we uh, were able to uh, borrow then in order to make it a little less costly on, on households um, and, and to you know, somewhat smooth out the still really terrible recession. But now, um, you know the unemployment rate is at a historic low. Um, it, this is the time when maybe we can find ways to um, cut back on government spending or um, you maybe even think about raising taxes rather than lowering them.
2: Trump? I Agreed. I would say last year was a better better time than this year, but mm-hmm. um, but yes, I, I agree. I think this is exactly the time where where it's important to to just take a step back and say wh- where can we maybe um, cut a little on the spending or or maybe undo some of these some of these tax cuts um, and and reduce the deficit which is not as high as it was I mean just to to be fair it's not as high as it was during the the first few years of the Obama administration we're talking about 800 900 billion it's a lot of money though um, and at a time when the economy is doing much better I think the problem that we have is the problem that always we have with a new incoming administration they feel that they have ideas they want to Push them through. They have the right view of what needs to be done. They feel like they're investing for the future, and they're borrowing accordingly. Or they're, um, and and I think you'll see the same with the Democrats. They take office in two years. A lot of this new Green Deal is essentially about just ignoring the deficit. Let us give us some space to adopt these great ideas that we have. And every administration is prone prone to that. And and fiscal responsibility is always pushed towards the end of the term when you, um, you know, come to grips with reality uh, that there's not a lot of growth um so i but but you know i think absolutely now it's the right time to just say you know there's maybe the tax revenues are not quite high enough although i think a lot of the increase we've seen is really on the spending side the last few years um but but still um it's absolutely the right time to do something about it
1: but but tara when when you when you look at where we are right now and and you think about obviously the the tax cuts that that were enacted uh that are put into play it, it is interesting to note that what the the policies and plans of President Obama and now the policies and plans of, of President Trump are so divergent. and and obviously, I, I I wonder if there is enough consideration, and certainly it doesn't appear like there was in terms of this transition uh, of leadership, uh, if there is enough consideration given by the incoming president to the prior president's policies and trying to work off of them, especially if there is some sort of benefit.
0: Yeah, well, I think, as I was you know, kind of making this point, too, that you know, whenever a, a new administration comes in, they do want to hit the ground running with their particular policies. And uh, it's not necessarily a, a focus to uh, you know, consider which policies from the past are actually doing well or how those policies that are still existing <laughs> might interact in you know, particularly in, a, in an expensive way with the policies they're also trying to bring in. Um, but I, I think one of the, the key things, and Jean briefly mentioned this, um, that I think it's important to think about, is we also need to be looking forward to the impact of long-term policies and promises that have been made, particularly um, to our retirees for Social Security and Medicare, that those bills are going to be coming due. And so thinking about just the deficit today and how the expenditures of today are going to impact... Uh, our Our debt situation we 've also got to be thinking about that we 've got these big bills coming due, and if we aren 't prepared for those and thinking about those in the policies today right. uh, we 're going to be really constrained in the future
1: but it, it, you mentioned a moment ago that there is an element of this that obviously goes back a few years mm-hmm. uh, and and is impacted by the great recession and, and how impactful that event that series of events really became in terms of of where we have had to had to go and, and things that we have had to do economically and policy-wise in this country Tara
0: Right well i mean this is where you know that recession it was a a, a terrible event for many reasons uh, but the timing of it also was particularly bad we were already worried about the coming uh, dues from the Medicare and Social Security benefits um, and the pressure there was going to be on the government to find funding for for those um, going forward. And then to have this big recession where there there was the need um, for increased expenditure at that time, Um, we didn't really have a lot of space for that to begin with. And now we're finding ourselves... Uh, you know, really concerned about it. I mean, that's why you know the CBO keeps putting out these reports where they're like, you know, really trying to ring the warning bells.
1: You're joined here in studio by Joam Gomez of the Wharton School on the phone, Tara Sinclair of George Washington University. Your comments are welcome at eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at Biz Radio one thirty two or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney L o n e y twenty one. You both have mentioned it, but Joam, it really is when you're talking to the people that are listening to us right now, mm-hmm. it really is the areas of Social Security and Medicare that that are the, the areas mm-hmm. that will most impact all of the people listening to us right now.
2: Absolutely. I, I think, you know, your initial
1: remarks were thinking about the American consumer in the short term, but I think
2: really what people should be thinking about is, will the government be able or even willing to honor these long-term promises to to me when I'm 55, 65, 75 um, I think that's a real question mark. And there's a real question mark, not just in terms of thinking what the government honors, but we as a society, do we feel like that's something we want to pursue and, and raise the revenues in the future? Or more likely we'll strike some sort of balance where we have to compromise and say these promises are just way too generous. Because the the path looks really scary at the moment. It just it's just really difficult to see um, you know how we're we gonna cover these Medicare bills in particular. Social yeah. Security is a problem and Medicare is a real big problem. And a lot of the increases in spending we've seen in the last few years is already sort of the tip of the iceberg um, emerging a little bit. And um, it doesn't look I mean, the path just looks very scary to me. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly. I think, you know, there's differences in what um, different administrations wanted to do. I think this administration very clearly prioritized long-term growth, and they will say this is an investment in the future. And a lot of what we've seen in terms of losses of revenue is us gambling that this is going to generate growth for a long period of time, and that will give us the tax revenues. I think the evidence on that is, as most people say, very uh, questionable at the moment. I mean it was always questionable, but it's just not not really there. But that's still their bet. And they'll say this is what we want to do. Uh, I think you know if you have a democratic administration in two years, they'll throw that away, just like this administration threw away whatever President Obama wanted to do. Yeah. And they'll say
1: we we that's just not the way. Uh, we want to do something else. Um, but how do you try and balance that that one? And I, I think I think a lot of people would yeah. say long-term growth is a, is a great idea yeah it is but how do you balance that with uh, obviously all how of the, all of these issues well
2: um, i mean listen of course we have two different visions of the country in in in, in the, the two broadly in, amongst the two parties right how big should how big of a role should the government have how big should the, and i think both parties sort of coalesce around this view, which was clearly in the Obama administration, that the deficit is a good way of getting us to the right size of the government. Right. With the Democrats, we, we spend more and we just let the deficit widen and we don't care because eventually the taxes will catch up because you'll have to pay for it. With the Republicans, it's sort of the opposite. You cut the taxes and you have a deficit and eventually... Uh, somebody responsible come in of have to cut spending, and, and that's just been a, a very unproductive way of, of governing. Um, but how do you fix it? You know, the politicians will have to tell you that. Um, but it's just it's just very transparent if you if you look at this. At the moment, we have a long term problem. I mean, we have these promises, and, and I would be nervous if I am a little nervous about it. If I relied too much on, on just Social Security and in particular Medicare,
1: Tara, your thoughts on this, and also specifically, I think playing off of of the budget proposal being brought forth by President Trump uh, this go around and, and the cuts that he's uh, he's already started to enact in some of these safety net programs.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know, your your point about long term growth is, is a key one here in the sense of you know if. Um, there were a, a fairly strong consensus that um, spending or, or tax cuts uh, directed at certain programs today uh, would lead to clearer economic growth in the future. There might po- be the possibility that, that some of these things pay for themselves. Um, but it, you know, the, the research on this really seems quite pessimistic that there's going to be a way for us to um, you know, create uh, enough GDP growth to pay for um, you know, all of our, our dream programs. That just seems to be difficult to do. And also, uh, if we look at the demographics, we've got a lot of people leaving our labor force in the coming years, uh, not as many people coming in. And so this burden in terms of of, of who's going to be working and paying the taxes on this, it's going to fall on a smaller proportion of our population, and that's that's disconcerting as well. Um, In terms of thinking about the budget proposals and and how we think about entitlements uh, versus social safety net, versus defense, versus uh, other government programs, all of these areas there's a lot of disagreement in, in uh, today's citizenry about where, where the tax funds should be going. And I think that is reflected in this constant push and pull between the two parties. Uh, and it's not really clear how much of this is a, in a, an economic question about where funds should be allocated and where cuts make sense and how much it's a political question about what do we as a society value. Do we think that a large social safety net is important, or do we want to have you know, smaller taxes and a smaller social safety net?
2: Jean, um, I, I agree with pretty much everything. I, I think I, I just want to emphasize that this – Conceptually, we all agree promoting long-term growth is, is good, but for example, you go back to the President Obama's years and he really believed in, for example, things like clean energy, which are coming back to, to be relevant uh, for this discussion for the new presidential election. He thought it would create a lot of jobs that way. We, we would be the future of our economy. Clearly, the current administration doesn't. Um, I mean, everybody, it's easy to say, I'm going to promote this, I'm going to have subsidies, there. I'm going to have target tax cuts, but for another example is infrastructure. We hear this a lot. The sure. government should invest in infrastructure because that's going to pay for itself. I, I mean, that's some people say that. Some people don't. Um, you know, in theory, there's lots of things we could conceivably agree we should spend money on and should run a deficit that way because they might pay for themselves. Um, But there's very, very few, uh, very little evidence and very little agreement that there's anything like that out there. I mean, it's just mostly a question of you you borrow, you spend a little, that boosts the economy a little bit in the short term. That wins you an election, that gets some jobs. Um, But we have a long-term problem. Um, And I think that's a discussion to have. I mean, do we want to have – do we want to pay for these provinces? Eventually, that's where the conversation is going to go. It might take 10 years to get there, but it will get there.
1: But the the problem is, is that realistically, I don't think that that is a – A a narrative that works with the politicians who are the people that that have to make these decisions, because, as you said, they have to worry about elections, whether it be two years, four years, six years, whatever that that number is.
2: We faced this in the early 80s when Social Security was nearly broke. Um, And I think that's that will be the state of affairs when we actually have to face it again. It will be the moment where you realize there's just not enough money in the pot to pay for the current generation of retirees or beneficiaries. There just isn't enough money. And until then, for now, there's still. It's just the projections look bad, but we actually still have enough money to pay for the sort of the, the flow of of, of benef- benefits. But it won't happen in 15 years, and and it might not happen a little early if we don't grow very fast. Uh, and then we'll have a conversation, and and you know that becomes a problem for the politicians of that day, um, and they can't avoid it. And so we did that in '82, and we had a big uh, bipartisan agreement on reforming Social Security that bought us about 35, 40 years of of life will give us a little more runway but we'll have it again um, because we sort of squander we are squandering some of the some of the savings I guess from from that
1: Tara go ahead on, on that and then how do we have that discussion moving forward specifically about social security because this story has been out there now for several years mm-hmm. uh, that around 2034 2035 we are going to run into a significant problem around the social security uh, program.
0: Yeah. I mean, Social Security is, is one. It's, it's actually a fairly easy one to fix. Uh, and so on, on that front, you know, there's, there's a couple of different ways that we can, we can see a way forward for, for Social Security to you know, either um, you know, ask people to work a few more years, have um, you know, a, a lower um, inflation rate for the index for that. Uh, so that you know people get a little bit less inflation adjusted than what they might have had a fe- sense that they were promised or maybe even people get a proportion not everything um, and and also that you know, younger people in a lot of cases are actually already expecting to not get social security now that's not necessarily translating into good savings plans and you know and of course you know an unfortunately large proportion of our population you know, Aren't in a position to be able to be saving for retirement, uh, right. and that's you know that's the big policy issue about you know, you know do we want the government to be concerned about that? Do we want charities to be concerned about that? What's the mix of that supposed to look like? Uh, but that's why we have you know elections and elected officials to uh, try to represent our, our population's views on on those issues.
1: But part of that conversation, uh, Tara, goes to as you mentioned, people and, and younger adults with their savings as they are starting out their professional careers, and obviously that's something that has been discussed quite a bit, but in this day and age, it is also the relationship between that employee and the company in terms of what is put into that mix, how much that individual really understands what that is, so that they can have enough money, so realistically, Social Security is just kind of you know an add-on when they get to retirement time.
0: Right, right. I mean, that's that's the goal and um, with you, know, and, you know, one potential model you know people have have talked about this a lot uh, you know we you set up social security as uh, you know and to make it palatable and made it something that goes to everyone um, but it might make sense to make it a, a means tested program like other things to where um People who have enough other um, savings and wealth at retirement get less Social Security. That's really unpalatable uh, for for a lot of people, and might set up some interesting economic incentives. But we see means testing in lots of other areas, um, and you know, so that's that's one way to go. But I, I do want to emphasize that Social Security is actually the minor problem here. Medicare yeah. and healthcare is really mm-hmm. the major. Issue um, and of course these things interact because you know, people are qualifying for both Social Security and Medicare as, as they mm-hmm. um, step out of the labor force, um, and so we've got to really think about ways that we can contain medical expenses, uh, and that's an issue both because you know, medical expenses have um, you know, historically seen a higher um, you know, percentage cost increase um, than other goods and services. Uh, and so, you know, if we continue to project that forward, we can be concerned that medical care is going to just continue to be more and more expensive and less and less affordable Right uh, under our current plans.
1: Sean, Yeah.
2: I, I, to me, uh, a question that I think we, sh- we should be asking ourselves increasingly is whether we want to pay people to not work at age 65 to 70 in a world in which so many jobs are... You know, much less demanding than they used to be 20 right. or 40 or 50 years ago. And right. life expectancy is so long now. Um, I think that's a real question that we just have to ask ourselves to do because <laughs> we may not be able to do it <laughs> first. And and then is that even desirable for all sorts of additional um, effects that it has on the quality of life of those people when they retire very early and they have no, no real challenges in their life? Um, is that something we want to have as a society? I think that's the really important question. But I want to say what Tar already said. Medicare is by far the most intractable problem. Social Security is by comparison relatively easy.
1: But you're talking about and again because of, of the importance of Medicare in this day and age mm-hmm. it is part of an overall review of healthcare in general that needs to take place in this country and a lot of people have you know come yeah. out with all kinds of different ideas of, mm-hmm. of how we do that they look you know overseas to the type of uh, of medicine that is done in a place like the United Kingdom mm-hmm. uh, with but it has its issues as well and, and because of how the, the the medical industry is structured and obviously, the, in part, the impact of the insurance industry in this as well. Yep. A lot of people believe this is a this is a task that is is one that may not be able to be fully changed.
2: Do You agree? It definitely will have very large implications for our deficit and debt discussions. Can we afford to? do something like even a mild nationalization of of, of this, this um, healthcare and create a national healthcare service even in a small scale. I, I think economically the cost is let alone whether people vote for that or not but it's a real question uh, that we can even afford to do it um, do we have the resources to do it um, the implications are difficult to assess though but you know there 's obvious problems with how the most important problem of course is the costs go up faster than than our resources than our GDP goes um, that can 't last forever, obviously, but that 's going on for quite a while we just and unless we find ways to deal with that, that we we either cap price increases in some ways or negotiate better rates for Medicare, whatever it is. I don't. I'm very skeptical that nationalizing works. Mostly because I'm a European and I I know how that system right. works.
1: That's <laughs> yeah, why and we I'm happy you, to why live why here. You right here. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm
2: very skeptical that it works very well. But but it has some advantages, and and there's no denying where we are now. We can't continue.
1: Should should Terra then with with the 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 debt which is continually moving higher, uh, even as we speak, uh, should then the estimations be? to try and at least slow it down right now, and then as a part of the process, see what you can do to try and reduce the deficit, uh, the debt, uh, at some point?
0: I I don't even know that we need to actually reduce the debt, but I think right now we definitely need to reduce the deficit. Uh, you know, we want to find ourselves in a position where we're at least adding less to the debt each year than we're we're growing uh, in in terms of, of overall you know, GDP growth, or you know, thinking about national income. Um, and you know, I'd like to be comfortably below uh, that, so that we have that space, um, and and also, you know, really think actively. About reforms to the promises we're making, particularly around Medicare, so that those promises are actually tenable.
1: Great having you all with us today. Thank you, Joanne. Great seeing you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Tara. great to have you with us. By the way, we should note, uh, as we uh, finish up this segment here at around uh, 11.27 uh, Eastern Time, the U.S. national debt, $22.125 trillion dollars The U.S. federal budget deficit, $870 billion at this point. Take this into perspective. The debt per taxpayer right now is over $180,000 per taxpayer per citizen. It is over $67,000 per person here in the United States.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.